What if you grew up in a belief system that told you everything around you was an illusion? What if you were told everything that happened to you, from being sick to stubbing a toe to being bullied at school, was your fault for not knowing the truth? What if you were denied even the most basic health care, from pain pills to checkups to vaccinations? How do you unravel yourself from this belief system? And what happens when you do? My name is Hillary Alexander, and this is Leaving Christian Science. So welcome to episode five of Leaving Christian Science. Today, I'm interviewing Julie, who I had the pleasure of meeting in real life uh, at the Women's March in 2017. My sister organized a little ex-Christian Scientist meetup <laughs> at the Women's March in Washington, D.C., and I got to meet uh, Julie and Jody, who we'll probably be hearing from later. Um, so it's been a few years. It's been since 2017. So yeah. I was wondering if you remembered that, actually. I was going to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. I remember we had um, a pretty lengthy CS bashing session <laughs> in a cafe somewhere, which was very cathartic. <laughs> and yep. I had a non-Christian scientist friend with me who afterwards I was like, was that okay? Was that weird? <laughs> we just sort of like went off on this <laughs> topic that you don't know nothing about for like an hour. Yeah. But yeah, so... Um, so anyway, so let's uh, let's get started. Why don't you tell us your background? Like, when did Christian Science enter your family story? Uh, so I was born into it. Um, I my my mom and my stepdad, who I spent most of my childhood with, were both raised in it. Um, I believe my mom's mom converted to Christian science. Um, my stepdad's side, I'm not sure how many generations, but I think it ran pretty deep. Um, and then my dad, who I'm also very close with, uh, he was never a Christian scientist, but also did not participate in the medical establishment, um, mm. which which we'll get into. But um, so he, he was sort of prone to some of the same behaviors, even though the uh, rationale was different. Yeah. So growing up, I'm, I'm going to assume that meant you had no medical in your life. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, right. So other than Planned Parenthood, um, my first medical experience was when I was 22. And I had a major wrist surgery um which there's also a there's also <laughs> more to it than that but um but that was that was my first uh that was my first experience with medicine and it was traumatic mm, I bet. <laughs> yeah. just put it that way I had no idea what was going on I'd been in excruciating pain for like a year and a half oh wow so it wasn't like an accident and you immediately had surgery it was just sort of something that languished over time until you were like okay I need to get this taken care of or how, how did that yeah. decision happen to first deal with it medically okay. so yeah so so this is actually like an interesting point about my experience with Christian science so um my non-dominant wrist uh and and I was I was I really tried I really tried to be a Christian scientist okay um so in college, I was, uh, I was actually, you know, heavily involved in the org and president of the org and put on a lot of conferences and stuff like that. And 
because of a lifetime of being taught to ignore my body, like, like for real, like not even really understanding what's going on with it. Um, all of a sudden, like I was like, you know, popping my knuckles like while walking and I had excruciating pain in my left wrist. I mean, like excruciating, like, um, and you know, I didn't, it was pre Obamacare. Um, and, but I had just gotten married. So even if my parents had health insurance, I wouldn't have been covered on it, but, um, it was excruciating. Um, and it was surprising. And I just, there, there were times that it didn't hurt if I wasn't using my hand. <laughs> and there were times when it would get like really, really, really aggravated. Um, and, and a after a year and a half for a variety of reasons, I finally had the surgery on it. And I remember them saying during my pre-op, this is major surgery. And I was just like, okay, like I, at this point, like, I don't care, like amputate it, you know, like it was that bad. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, the process of like even getting to the surgery was ridiculous because I mean, I mean, during the exam and I didn't have, I didn't have anyone there to tell me what to expect or anything. Like I did not understand why they were hurting me. Hmm. So then I would become like completely inconsolable and confused and upset and hysterical. And they were like, okay, come back in 30 days, you know? So like it dragged on for that reason too. Yeah. So anyway, um, the problem is that I was not born perfect. <laughs> um, As and... it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash. Um, and my ulna you have two bones in your arm the radius and the ulna and your forearm my ulnas are too long hmm. and cause a, de a, a degenerative condition called ulnar impaction syndrome um that <laughs> rubs away wears away at the cartilage in your wrist which contains like seven bones and then you start getting some bone on bone action and it really fucking hurts yeah so um the solution was to shorten ulna right so I have um, I have plates and screws. So so this was when I was 22. My left wrist uh, was a problem. It was three millimeters. The ulna was three millimeters too long. Okay. And they said at the time, like, hey, keep an eye on your right arm because it's two millimeters too long. You might have the same problem. And for 15 years, um, I dreaded it. I dreaded this. <laughs> Okay. And I mean, this was like, this was a traumatic experience during the surgery or, or during like my prep, they did a nerve block and they were like, okay, try to move your arm. And, you know, and it went like flop. And then like, I couldn't move it back. And that upset me. And my blood pressure was like redonkulous. And it was just the whole thing. Um, and I, and I had to go back to the ER twice because, uh, of, of complications the second one just was like ignorance uh, actually they were both ignorance because um I puked up my pain meds mm. oh god okay <laughs> that night after I, I puked up my pain meds with dinner had chicken fried steak for dinner after general anesthesia which I don't recommend anyone do um I had no pain control that night after getting seven screws getting my bone sawed yeah. <laughs> like screwed back together um and i i was like sleeping in, a, in a, the guest room that night and i actually like said to my husband like hey this really hurts can we go back to the hospital and he was just like 
can we go in the morning? I'm so tired. You know, I mean, we had to like check in at 5 a.m. He feels terrible about this, by the way, because I didn't, I didn't really push it, right? Because I'm just used to being in pain and, and it is what I deserved anyways, right? From, from getting surgery for being a Christian scientist, right? Um, and, and then in the, and I spent that entire night wishing that we lived on a higher floor so that I could just jump out the window and end it all. Like it was, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. In the morning, I was like nauseous and the whole thing. So that was also due to ignorance. But anyways, um, this was, this was a rough experience. Right. And, um, fast forward 15 years, my, I, I take a self, no, we, I went on like an ATV tour, lots of vibrations. Right. And both of my wrists hurt. And, uh, and then I took a self-defense class where I was like, you know, punching and like, and like, they, you know, hurt. And so I started going to, to, um, an orthopedic doctor and even just talking about it. Um, I mean, I just couldn't even talk about it. I was just like bawling and she was like, it's going to be different because we're catching it early. There's other options, you know, you might not have to have surgery, and, um, you know, so I got cortisone shots and wore splints and stuff. And, and I ended up having to have surgery on, on that wrist too. Um, but the point is that the first time around, it was like, my perception was that it was just an instantaneous pain, right? The second time around, it was a gradual problem. And these two different experiences, I think are just due to like being in different stages of my Christian science brainwashing, right? Like um, having that gradual onset expectation, you know, it was just a much more pleasant experience than, um, than the first time around. So yeah, that was, that was actually one of the, one of the things that I've kind of just been chewing on. Um, so yeah, that was when I was 22. Um, and then I definitely felt, um, I don't want to say shunned, but like the Christian scientists in my life were kind of like, of course I tried to hide it, but like, you know, I was wearing a cast and, and a brace and stuff like that. And I went home to visit, you know, my folks for Christmas and they were very uncomfortable with the whole thing and hmm. um, felt definitely very alienated and yeah, that's uh, something a non-Christian scientist couldn't possibly understand, that showing up to your family with a cast on would cause you to be, like, treated poorly. <laughs> like, in every yeah. other family, you'd be like, here, put your feet up. Let me get you a drink. Like, are you okay? Like, that's a normal reaction to a person yeah. showing up with a cast instead of being right. like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want to talk about it because if I talk about it, it'll make it real. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it is a total total trip and actually what's even more of a trip is that um, my surgery got rescheduled and it turned out to be the week that my mom was gonna stay uh with us to go to to go to a conference and oh, so boy. my husband's first reaction was like oh great I'm sure she'll be like happy to help and I was like eh, no, no. Not really. and, and she just she just totally pretended like the whole thing didn't happen <sighs> and like when when we went back to the ER, well, she, she did see it coming when I was about to puke because, you know, she knows those signs, but, um, but yeah, like then when we went back to the ER in the morning and 
yeah, I just, so like her discomfort, you know, I mean, I, I know she was terrified and uncomfortable and stuff, but yeah, that, that did not help um, any of this experience. So yeah, that was like another thing that people were kind of weirded out about, but. Yeah. And once again, you're made to worry about her reaction, which again is something yeah. a non-Christian scientist would never have to think about. Like your parents yeah. would just be there for you and it would be about you. Instead, you're sitting there <clears throat> worrying like, well, how's she going to react to this? And what's it going to be like for her? And she looks scared and maybe I should try to make her not scared. And it's like, it's so not fair. <laughs> you're the one in pain, you know? Yeah. 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 So that was like my first real medical experience. And then once I started going to the doctor, I mean, there were a couple of other things that, you know, I just couldn't ignore. Um, I had always had stomach pain and I had gone on a kind of a bougie backpacking trip with some coworkers and you know, nothing like super serious, like maybe like three miles or something. And then we stayed in a cabin and we had um, tomato-based stew and wine for dinner. And then in the morning, like I just was like puking and I had to like hike uphill out of this, <laughs> like, like water, drinking water made me puke, uh. you know? And so that's pretty weird. And especially getting like the social feedback from others about that. Um, I went to the doctor about that and they were like, oh, you have acid reflux. And, um, that's been like another super major, like thing that I've had to deal with. I actually got surgery because my mom's mom died of stomach cancer. We don't really know, mm. but like, and then my mom has had like this recurring stomach problem. Um, so, uh and my, my sister's also, but, um, so that's, that's actually part of, um, that's actually part of my leaving Christian science. So from like 22 to that, so like 2005 to like 2014, I was in this kind of like limbo stage of like, I'm a shitty Christian scientist. Maybe I should find another church went to a bunch of other churches kept a journal none of them really just were worth getting up early on a Sunday for and um doing a lot of reading you know about religion and spirituality and logic and atheism and all the things and um and then in 20 so that was like what is that like nine years okay of like limbo and then in 2014 there were, I will just say, a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> like, which started with me getting into a very bad motorcycle accident. Um, other things happened to other people in my family that were incredibly upsetting and uh, that didn't like directly affect me, but they, you know, were just like heartbreaking. And, um, and then uh, my, my dad had a, a major heart attack. And, um, I, I live like five hours away. I'm very close to him. And I actually, I had been to the ER for my motorcycle accident. It was about six weeks after my motorcycle accident. Um, I actually took him to the hospital. It was four days after his heart attack. 
um because it took it took a couple of days to like figure out what was going on and then then we figured out what was going on and drove all night and did he want um, to go or no 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 how did that no, how did and, you get him to go how did that work uh, out uh, okay so um he he lives in a rural area and I cannot neglect this part of the story because it's funny. Um, but we drove all night, uh, and neither neither my husband and I were feeling good. I had actually just taken my husband to the ER for probably the only, maybe the only time in his life. Um, he'd been bit by a tick like the previous weekend, um, and I don't know. But um, but yeah, neither of us were really feeling good, and um, we were supposed to visit my dad for Fourth of July, and. You know, I'd called him and said, like, hey, I don't I don't really think we're coming because I don't feel right. You know, I'm still like dealing with stuff from my motorcycle accident. Jaron doesn't feel good. And my dad was like, you know what? I don't feel good either. You know, and I was like, um, OK, well, let's just not do it. You know, I'll talk talk to you later. And then, like, I called the next day and then I was kind of like in more of a frame of mind of like what well what what why don't you feel good what's what's wrong you know and he had been working outside lives in a rural area and just had this like sudden pain in his back and you know had been like just sitting in a rocking chair and and I was like this doesn't sound good like I know his dad died of a heart attack and I know that he had you know been told to take cholesterol meds and stuff and um talked to my sister and she was just like you need to leave like right now you know so we drove all night got there at like 5 a.m I open the gate the motion light comes on and then I see like a flashlight coming out the window and I'm like I'm about to get shot yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I go in front of the window and I say don't shoot (laughs) it's me (laughs) and he's like not happy to see us uh his there's dishes piled up in the sink like he's just not acting like himself like at all and we spent kind of the next day like talking and like helping clean up around the house and just keeping him company and every now and then we would talk about going to the hospital and he would be like well what are they even going to do you know and um it's always the answer I love that well they, well, they I, can't do anything it's like what well, yeah. how, how do you know <laughs> yeah um and you know it's just like okay you know and uh and then so we had gotten there at like 5 a.m day to day and then I think by the towards like the afternoon of the next day it was Sunday and we were like all right well I guess I guess we're gonna go home you know we gotta work tomorrow and he was like I'm not feeling better in a few days I'll, I'll call you know I'll call and I was like cool they're gonna tell you to come into the ER like right now if you're still alive by then you know and he was like hmm and I think just us leaving, like like us leaving, like he felt so much better having company and people caring about him and helping him out. We, we were literally about to go home and he was like, well, I guess, I guess if you wanted to take me now, you know, I'll go. And I was like, right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good. I'm like, to the hospital. We're going right now. He's like, yeah. yeah. So we do that. And they like immediately put him on blood thinners and, and an ambulance and he was in the hospital for like three and a half months which wasn't very it was hard it was hard on everyone um okay so like that's going on all summer um 
And then another thing happened to one of my siblings that was shocking, but also like completely obvious. It was like, of course this was going to happen, you know? And I was so angry. I mean, like, like with the thing with my dad, you know, positive thinking, he, he was in sales. So he was a lot of times, you know, he would just like do the positive thinking thing, which is very common in sales. A lot of the books, you know, about positive thinking are targeted at sales. Um, and my, my issues, which I, I completely, I mean, the motorcycle accident was, it was, it was my fault. It, you know, I was going too fast in a turn, but I was like, what did I do to deserve this? Sure. You know, I was too happy. Things were going too well. <laughs> yeah. You know, I started going to doctors like. Now it's time like, for my punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then like my mom's, you know, recurring like stomach problems. And it was just kind of like all of this. And then like when this happened to my sibling, I was just like, this is all fucking bullshit. And I just wanted to burn the entire world down. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I just have never been that angry before, like ever. Um, and I went on a business trip right after this happened with my sibling and for, for a job interview, which went great. Um, and I was listening to this podcast called Interfaith Voices, which is an excellent podcast, which I still sometimes listen to. And she had interviewed Rita Swan about the book Bad Faith, which is by Paul Offit, who wrote about her story. Yeah. You want to tell so I, who Rita Swan is for people who don't know? Sure. Um, Rita Swan uh, was a Christian scientist who had a baby die um, of religious medical neglect. And her story is like so heartbreaking. And she founded a nonprofit uh, called Child Children's Healthcare is a Legal Duty, um, which when she retired, uh, got um, merged with some some other organization. I can't I don't know which one. But um, but the idea was uh, was um, suing. Uh, was was legal action to to get states to overturn the exemption that parents have if their child dies under religious medical neglect. And there are only five states uh, in the country that do not, um, that, that will punish a parent for this, five clean states. Um, so yeah, I heard her story and, uh, and, I, and I got the audiobook. And I listened to it just in this overnight business trip. <laughs> now, had and you I heard of like, her before? Or mm, was this your first? Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard of her before. Um, and I listened I listened to this audiobook, which is very it's very logical and it it gets into a lot of faith healing. I highly recommend it. And like I said, I just wanted to burn the whole fucking world down. And um I had a conversation with my mom about my sibling and she asked me what could I have done to prevent this? I, I mean, I really have to give her credit. She did, she did ask that. And I said, well, if we'd been going to doctors, this would have been brought up and they, you know, would have, you know, 
referred and you know there's there's treatment for it right um and then i did mention this thing i mentioned <laughs> i mentioned rita swan and she just like went off the handle right because we were raised in the 80s and 90s which is when all the child cases were going down and and yeah. i guess i guess i don't know what year rita swan sued the church but um but yeah she just she just went off the handle and like i didn't talk to her again for six months <laughs> what was her uh what were her arguments like why was she, what was she saying when she was angry that you had read that uh just the i i don't even remember but she just had it in for the church and and i was kind of like i mean her baby died yeah, you know why, why wouldn't you <laughs> why is that i mean thing? you just you just asked me you know as a hardcore christian scientist you just asked me what you could have done to prevent this which obviously would have been something you know medical because of one of your babies right like like and yeah um i don't remember yeah. it wasn't like a long conversation but um i yeah i just couldn't i just couldn't and i i had i mean for me to not talk to her for six months like we spoke like quite often before that um so that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me yeah was this this i mean it was like all these things and this was all <laughs> this was all within like uh this was all within like two years and then there was like another thing that happened with my dad we put him back in the hospital and it was just this two-year period where everything sucked and um and then and then I was uh I was super angry and I during that time I also started getting mental health care which I highly recommend to anybody leaving Christian science it's totally the solution <laughs> I wish I had done it sooner but I didn't because of yeah. Christian science and being worried about my job and you know um I really wish I'd done it sooner um and I just had a lot of very intense anger and was your through. anger at Christian science as a belief or was it at you know what where was it directed I mean some of it was at my mom but I mean she was a victim too you know what I mean like um uh, it was at, it was at Christian science as like an institution and, you know, it's very complicated, right? Because I do have some good memories. Um, I had a really good mentor um, that, you know, that I met through Christian science, like, and it was, it was, I mean, it was, it wasn't like all I knew. I mean, like I said, I'd been to these other churches, but um yeah, it was just super complicated and, and feeling stupid. I mean, I mean, feeling really stupid. I, like how was it I sort of like this? everyone else like, gets it, but I don't, what's wrong with me? Was it that kind of yeah, feeling? I, I, I mean, how, my, I mean, my feeling was kind of like how I, I have like really good friends that, you know, I, you know, knew that, knew that I, this about me. And I kind of like asked him, like, how did you have any respect for me? This is so stupid, you know, like, <laughs> and they were just like, hey, you know, like, I never, I never thought you were stupid, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I think a lot of reasons that people stick with it and I'm not a parent, but I've now read a lot of these accounts and, you know, a lot of my friends are parents that grew up in Christian science. They are now parents. Um, I think it comes down to like not being able to admit that you were wrong because, yeah. because 
I, I mean, the guilt that they feel about like, oh my God, we, we just ignored this and prayed about it. Like, it's horrible. I mean, it's, it's heart-wrenching. So I think that, you know, that was, I mean, that was part of it too, coming out of a cult. Although, you know, I did enter it like, you know, without my consent, you know, I was a child that was yeah. brainwashed. Um, but I, I think that that's a really important thing that people just don't want to admit they were wrong. They don't want to admit they've been living a lie and that they had done these horrible things and they just kind of like ignore that too, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think people really underestimate how hard it is to admit you're wrong and you know that's really hard <laughs> really it's a really, really hard. important skill <laughs> especially when you've been like doubling down your whole life and like defending something and insisting upon it and arguing with people to make that shift to to say you know what right. I was wrong this whole time like that that takes a lot and I I give people huge amount of credit who have been able to do it and I have a lot of empathy for people who can't do it who just stick with it to the end because they simply cannot just go you know what this was all bullshit <laughs> my whole life was bullshit is what you're saying basically and how yeah. easy is it to say that it's not easy right I mean especially when you got I mean, your kids into it and they you know they're suffering and there's all that guilt I mean it's so complex yeah it's really complex um so like one thing, uh, one of the lasting like effects that it's had on me that I really resent is that I feel like it screwed up my ability to reason. Mm. And I'm, I'm in, I'm in tech, you know, I actually, when I was super really trying in, in college, uh, I actually studied math. <laughs> so like, you know, very hardcore logic, um, logical person and I think like that's just part of like maybe the cognitive dissonance that hit me so hard you know later but um um I'm I'm sometimes like really gullible and I really resent that because and I I, I blame it on on I blame it on being raised as a Christian scientist and yeah. you know like you've mentioned in the other interviews the gaslighting um I mean in my mental health you know, therapy, I had to like, learn what my emotions were. I mean, I mean, my counselor would ask me, what are you feeling right now? And I was just like, like shit, you know, like, like, okay, can you be more specific? <laughs> you know, is it fear, sadness, you know, anger? And so like, I mean, I have like a workbook that lists out um, all the, you know, physical symptoms and I'm I'm thinking about hiding like oh I'm afraid you know what I mean like so having to like learn my emotions I mean it's like no wonder no wonder people are so fucked up by this like yeah. you don't you don't even know you don't even know what emotion you're feeling right because yeah you're you're being told this is God comforting you but actually I learned that what I feel <laughs> what I feel when my mom, bless her heart, talks Christian science to me like a treatment or whatever is anxiety. That's what I'm feeling. It's not yeah. comfort. Like that's like polar opposite, you know? And so because of the counseling, you know, I got to kind of like learn what my emotions were again. Yeah. Identifying them. Cause like, I, I definitely, ident I, I get that, that feeling of like, well, I just kind of feel fucked up. Like that's how I would describe it. 
it's like no, no, yeah. no like what is this is it anger is it sadness is it loneliness like what are you feeling <laughs> yeah and, and then, and then ha- training yeah. to get me to learn that yeah and then happiness always uh coinciding with that oh shit I can't feel happy you know because something because it's wrong you know what I mean like it's wrong to feel happy and that's like kind of another thing that I have been dealing with is like this this positive thinking idea is so pervasive yeah it's 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 baked into the American culture this whole Mm -hmm. individualism you know I control my own destiny thing it's such a nice idea right like I want to believe I want to believe that I'm in control I want to believe that if I think if I do good good things will happen to me um but you know even even if even if you're not like a trained scientist like people kind of understand you know it's like a diet right like dairy causes me problems without dairy I don't have problems okay so okay good thoughts cause good things to happen to me so if a bad thing happens to me it's because I had bad thoughts you know I mean like people understand this this is the way the world works yeah and um it just results it just results in in victim blaming I mean this is a victim blaming religion I mean most of them are but like but like this one like takes it like really is (laughs) i mean telling a a a woman who just lost her toddler that it was your fear i mean there's nothing more hideous than that (laughs) it's not i mean it is yeah um it is cruel uh i i think whatever the criteria for a religion is the only way that christian science meets it is tax-exempt status i mean like it's not comforting um it doesn't provide a community it doesn't it it <laughs> yeah it doesn't do I mean, any community good which is what tax exempt status is supposed to be for that you actually help yeah. the community and do charitable works it doesn't freaking do that <laughs> it doesn't you know? do any it doesn't do anything like nobody wins nobody benefits you know i guess except like maybe financially or something but yeah it's anyway. basically like a real estate holding company at this point like a yeah. lot of these failing religions that's what all it is they're just sitting on these giant giant you know wads of cash and real estate <laughs> and that's it it's an excellent point yeah um yeah. <laughs> what do they do for anybody you know right yeah i mean their mission is just to perpetuate themselves um i mean having said that like i do have a lot of i do have a lot of people i'm close to that have had positive experiences with you know religions that are you know more benign um which is which is what those privileges are for but um yeah didn't didn't work for me so so the victim blamey thing right and the the other impact of positive thinking is because it's always your fault um these things happen because you're you're bad you know you're not you're not standing porter at your door of thought and stuff that quite frankly like i hated myself yeah and and i uh am treated you know now for depression i mean like cause or effect like I don't know (laughs) but um I mean another thing is that I uh 14 months ago now um I quit smoking cigarettes which was a habit that I have an addiction I had for a very long time like like 30 years and I realized it was just kind of part of my (laughs) self-hatred 
Um, so still dealing with that. Um, and self-soothing you know, too, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. And yeah. also, you know, bad. And, you know, I would, I would, I mean, actually I would sneak out of my house and smoke on the roof uh, at night after my mom and I fought, which was often, um, so. It was kind of yeah. your rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, soothing through pain. I mean, like it hurts your throat. Like <laughs> it's like you're punishing yourself kind of. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like super it's it's awful um addiction is not rational so you know that's kind of the most recent you know effect I've been dealing with and as a result of that um I'm now like investing in my body um eating healthy exercising you know which I'm really fortunate especially for you know I was a light smoker but I've been able to um recover from that, which a lot of people can't, you know, it, they have too many health problems um, from it. So um, yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, having a midlife crisis. Well, actually that's why I started working out is because my body was falling apart. And, um, you know, I feel like, okay, first half of my life, I invested in my, my mind, my education, you know, reading a lot, which of course I still do. And then now I'm going to like invest in my body because, guess what it's not <laughs> yeah it doesn't get doesn't, better at this point <laughs> ignoring these problems like doesn't you yeah. know help yeah like getting medical care like not ignoring things like oh I've had this weird bump in my neck for like two years let's let's look into that like you know yeah <laughs> yeah when I was in my 20s I um I developed this skin cancer on my neck here and typical in typical Christian science fashion, I just let it go for like two years until it was yeah. this like large purple lesion that I would cover with makeup whenever I went out because it would show on any shirt, you know, it was right here. And, you know, thank God for this friend I had who just looked at me and said, Hillary, I think that's skin cancer. You really want to get that looked at. And like, I don't know what I thought. I'm sure I knew somewhere that oh, it you, was a problem and it was probably a cancer, but yeah. I just kept put I was like well I feel fine <laughs> right which is so not how skin cancer works no. um but yeah so in slow. my 20s I was like 27 28 I went you know to some doctor I didn't even have insurance and and they were like oh yeah this is skin cancer and wow this is really advanced and how long have you had this and all those kind of shaming questions and and uh and they cut it out and it was this big gross scar and this like it bled every I mean it was so gross and unpleasant and that's so Christian science to just like ignore and just, it'll be fine. And I'll just put makeup yeah. on it. And <laughs> I, you know, another thing that is pretty recent is um, I, what I, I bumped my leg. I bumped my leg on, on my motorcycle, like while dropping it, not a big deal, you know, and got this large, bump right it really hurt and and I I mean it really hurt and I did go to urgent care they x-rayed it and they were like oh this is a hematoma you know it's not nothing's broken you know rest you know whatever and I was just like eh, okay so I I don't I don't rest um I ignore it for like three weeks until it's so it's so infected I mean 
as one of my friends put it that saw my picture, she said, that's infected as fuck, right? I go back to urge, and, and here's the frustrating part. I had been seen by, I, ha, I had like my, my annual checkup. And so like my doctor had seen it and she was just like, ah, uh, you know, cause it was like right during the time where we were trying not to give antibiotics for everything. Um, and the, but after the three week point, um, I, I went back to urgent care and he was like, <laughs> he was like, here's like the strongest antibiotic ever. And if it gets any bigger, go to the ER immediately. And I mean, it was like so gross and so big. Like I can't, I don't even know how I'd been. I, anyway, I was busy with work and whatever. So um, the next day, that was like a Sunday, um, I get like an urgent appointment with my doctor and I tell work, I'm going to do these four really important things. These are the four things I'm going to do this week that are really important. And they're like, okay, you know, and, um, and then like, I have meetings all morning. I go to my like 12, 15 appointment. I have like a meeting in the car, you know, and I go into my appointment and my doctor's like, go to the ER. Mm. <laughs> okay. And um, so then I tell work, just kidding. I'm not doing any of those things this week you know, I'm, I'm off, you know, which they were completely fine with. And, um, and I, so, you know, it resolves with antibiotics, but, um, I went, I posted about this in the ex Christian science Facebook group, which is a really helpful support tool. And somebody said, and I was just so frustrated. Like, how did I let this go? I thought I was over this, you know, like, because when I was in the ER, you know, my husband's there, you know, on, a, you know, looking things up on his phone and the doctor says, okay, you know, yeah, we did a Doppler and we're going to, you know, drain it. And um, here's the, here's what we're going to do. And he goes, so is it safe to say that amputation is off the table now? And I go, what? I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Like, he's not laughing. He's like, I'm not Doctor's laughing. Doctor's not laughing. Resident's not laughing. And I was just like, <laughs> So I post about this in the XCS group. Like, I can't. And, and they were the same thing. Like, how? why did you wait this long? You know, whatever. And someone replied to my post and said, I'm so glad that you went to the ER because literally the same thing happened to me I had an infected hematoma I ignored it it got worse and I had to have my leg amputated wow I was like oh my god how what like so it actually happened to somebody yeah yeah, like I can't even and and so that's like yay Christian science you know like even even after you know being you know out for several years um I can't believe I can't I can't believe I was in that situation. I can't believe it. You know, I mean, in, in my defense though, like, like my doctor had looked at it like twice, you know, and, and I had had it x-rayed, like I'd been to urgent care. So like, I kind of felt like a little betrayed, you know, by the medical system because they're not perfect either. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I've had a few things like misdiagnosed, nothing important, but they they don't always hit the nail on the head. (laughs) No, because yeah, I mean, we've been studying the human body forever, but we still don't 
we still don't know everything about it yeah you know yeah so yeah that's a little that's like mildly terrifying like in this day and age like to to get an amputation from an infection like like it's the 1700s or something still yes happens, exactly unfortunately. oh i know and, and yeah right. and the fact and remains I, like people non-christian scientists will neglect things you know right like they they will do the same thing that that we did but they're doing it for different reasons yeah you know, I, we, I mean, we had was... a whole religion that that taught us to do that that's that's different <laughs> yeah i mean i mean women especially get gaslit about their pain yeah. you know and so i was surprised to like talk to someone who did not who had a completely like normal religious background but she had a lot of the same um issues from from being gaslit about her about her pain um so yeah it's hard to explain to people um because they're like oh we have positive thinking you know oh we've all been it's like but no I was like brainwashed at an early age you know yeah you were never allowed to have normal reactions to things right you know unlike pretty much everyone else (laughs) yeah (laughs) everything was was denied and reversed and the victim blaming and shaming and you know that's that's not most most kids don't have that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and since so the the book bad faith by paul offit um it it breaks down like the reasons that faith healing seems to work and they are things like the placebo effect um the body produces endorphins um sometimes the body you know sometimes things heal right like sometimes things work themselves out um and then i don't know if he talks about this but something i read um about actually quitting smoking is fading effect bias you you remember what you want to remember you know you don't you know when after you quit an addiction you just remember like all the good things about it and not all the bad things about it um and it's basically in the language of logic it's like the biggest post hoc fallacy ever you know i mean there are how many anecdotes about healing i mean and in fact actually this was um dealing with a uh, public obsession about about mesmer and mesmerism it like the whole like court case and stuff um it was it was actually a very important step in the human understanding of logic was literally faith healing you know <laughs> so i've been wanting to look that up um and and kind of read you know more in depth about that but i mean there are there are logical reasons that we think this works and it's such a good it's a nice it's a nice idea it's a nice idea that you have control uh it's it's a nice idea that the world is fair but it's bullshit yeah and not true (laughs) it's just an expression of our desire for control yes um so gabor mate who one of your other interviewees mentioned excellent writer highly recommend he actually says this in two of his books that it's preferable to feel like everything's your fault as a child than and as actually as an adult but he's talking about like children and trauma that that leads to addiction than to accept that like no one's in control you know i mean that's the hardest thing to swallow really yeah so um that's like something I'm dealing with too. It's like, it's like, 
these these control issues i mean we all know people who have control issues and that it's preferable to feel like you suck everything's your fault and you deserve what's happening to you than to than to believe that no That's one's all in random. control well yeah because if you if you think it's your fault you still have control right right you know you haven't let go of the control so as much as it feels uh, bad to feel like it's your fault you at least don't have the the sheer terror of accepting that everything is random which is but, but it's also kind of freeing i mean i'm it, working yeah. on this i'm working yeah. on this right now like like um you know there's a, a recent meme like I used to feel like, oh, boo-hoo, life is meaningless. And now I'm like, life is meaningless. <laughs> exactly. Hooray. <laughs> it's so liberating. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm working on this control thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for all humans, but we've really seen it because we've had this extreme of thinking we're completely in control of everything, the weather, death, all kinds of stuff and then and then if you you leave it you come to realize you're not in control of anything Nothing. and that's a no really hard flip to do yeah i mean yeah so the obsession with death like i didn't really understand until i read a book by sam harris called the end of faith i didn't really understand that religion is all about fear of death yeah until i read that book and um my husband and I were talking and he was like, oh, well, I absolutely understood that because, you know, this is how you get into heaven and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I was like, well, you know, like religion's like the gatekeeper to heaven. And I said, I guess my religion was the gatekeeper to healing, you know, and then you create your own heaven or hell, you know, it kind of just didn't. It was always really vague. I mean, did you have a sense of like what was after death like it was it was always sort of this yeah nebulous you, concept of what the afterlife was or wasn't you know yeah I never really got that <laughs> uh, me neither I just knew that like you created your your own heaven and hell and then I think my Sunday school teacher told me that you know you turned into angels and didn't have carnal needs and no I didn't really I didn't really think about that as much but yeah I mean yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure that religion is a sign of civilization, but we don't eat our dead, or most of us don't. But you know that's kind of one of the things that separates us from animals. Um, <laughs> most of us, <laughs> um, yeah. Is and actually, I also read about um, the problem of evil because I like reading light reading <laughs> um is that essentially anything animalistic is considered evil by by religion um violence you know fighting over food and stuff like that and so that's kind of also interesting to chew on i mean like we are animals <laughs> yeah. we're animals that can build tools you know like um so i don't know i'm, I'm just trying to kind of I mean, I'm sure I will always be working on myself, but these are just the things that I'm thinking about now. And I mean, it's been like 20, almost 20 years since that, since that wrist surgery has been 19 years. 
um, or 18. I don't know. I can't count, but I mean, it feels like it's been a long time, but it hasn't, you know, I mean, I mean, I actually, I haven't even reached equilibrium, right? If, if I was 22, when I first realized that I was a shitty Christian scientist and that I needed this to, to fix my hand, because no matter how much I prayed about it, it kept hurting, you know, and the same thing with my stomach, no matter how much I prayed about it, it kept hurting, you know, um, if at the age of 22 is when I said, okay, I guess I need to do something different then 44 would be when I was out longer than I was in. Yeah. Yeah. And just imagine how many Christian scientists have had that moment of, I'm just not able to fix this. I need to try something else, you know? Right. I need to try something else even though it's terrifying and my family is going to think I suck and I'm going to try to hide it. And my community, I won't, I I can't serve in a leadership position in in a Christian science church, which I guess now there's like differing interpretations of that, but that's, that's, you know, that's still how it, how it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I mean, that just, defines the term insult to injury (laughs) i know it's not comforting already miserable and that you have all this other crap (laughs) of fear of shunning fear of you know being a failure all of the stuff that normal people don't have to deal with when they're sick or in pain right and it's like it just makes everything bad worse yeah that's what christian science does anything that is already going to be hard that your community and your faith and whatever are supposed to like make easier it makes it harder (laughs) yeah so did you um was there like a a definitive moment where you were like i'm not a christian scientist anymore or was it just sort of a slow burn out well it was that it was that that moment when i it was when i read when I read the book, Bad Faith, and I understood that it was a post hoc fallacy and that these are the reasons why we think it works, endorphins, placebo effect, and all that stuff. That was probably the moment because up until then, uh, I just felt like I was a shitty Christian scientist that was using medicine. Because I was like, oh, look, I can use my hand now medicine works which was also hard I mean that took like over a year to to actually actually it hurts so much I I it took a year for me to not feel like it was a mistake to get that surgery wow (laughs) and I the second time that I went back to the ER they undid the cast and when they put it back on um uh they didn't the resident in the ER didn't have it cover my elbow so I was like rotating I was able to rotate my arm which you're not supposed to do after this surgery and so I was always like worried about about my arm like not being whole until until round two when I went to um the ortho about my right arm and they took x-rays of my left arm and they said like oh that they did a great job that healed perfectly and I was like you know yay um but yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was just always worried that, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I always babied that hand and stuff like that um, for that reason, but now they're, now they're stronger than ever. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes it just takes time. 
yeah yeah but yeah i wish i wish that that was the first place people went out of christian science is reading something like that where they really understood why there are all these testimonies that sound so miraculous because that's one of the yeah. hardest things for people to chip you know i've talked about this on this podcast before my mother and i would look at a century of christian science healing that book mm -hmm. and be like how can this all be fake it's got to be real it's got to be real and then the fruitage chapter and in, in science and health with all the testimonies and that's the thing that keeps you in that's that's the thing that like will not let you go is this feeling of well they're getting it it's working for some people but it's not. Right. And for it's those not. reasons, for those scientific reasons. It's a post-hoc fallacy. Yeah. Till as old as time. Yeah. We're, we, we want that, we want that feeling of control, even though it's, yeah. even though it's, but it's false. Yeah. Because if, once you lose the healings, which is really what Christian science, in my opinion, was supposed to be all about, is we were supposed to be able to heal ourselves, quote unquote, as Jesus did. That's the whole point of it. If that goes away, then the whole thing falls apart. Then yeah. what do you have? It's it's nothing, you know. You have you have you have religious trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're left with just religious have, trauma and medical have, neglect, and yeah, you have a therapy bill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a bunch of em empty uh, reading rooms all over this country yeah. and the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and so there's there's a section on the ex Christian Science website um, for book reviews, and that would that's another place that I really recommend people go. I mean, I mean, everyone's kind of got their own style, you know. I mean, if you're an adult leaving Christian Science, you probably know what your learning style is, you know, whether it's going to be this podcast. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of ex cult memoirs coming out right now. <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a thing it's the american dream <laughs> yeah. you know like so much religious freedom means a lot of a lot of cults um i mean those are very helpful even if they're not christian science uh they're still can be very similar like educated um has a, a large uh, faith healing component in it and um you know there, there's those um there are some uh there's there's uh ICSA, international cultic studies association mm -hmm. um they've got events um and and research and so they've got like facilitated like events that cost very little um that you can go to virtual events and then there's the xcs group has you know some events too so um there are a lot of resources out there and it's kind of funny when i first was actively questioning I did find, because uh, I was looking into the book Bad Faith, and I did find, like, a review of it on the XCS website, and, um, and then you know I was talking with two friends that we were all kind of like in this in this period of really being angry and you know not knowing what to do about it, and talked about forming a support group, and then I was like oh gosh I hope there's already one out there you know that's that's a big lift you know and um and then I and then I went back I was like oh this, I've already been to this website <laughs> this <Christian laughs> website um and I just didn't it was just kind of funny that I kind of came back full circle like a year later to find the to find the support group yeah when I was really enduring like the heaviest process of really leaving 
Christian science and faith in general. Um, you know, it was the early 2000s. So the internet was kind of in its infancy. There was no social media. There was certainly no XCS stuff anywhere to be had. And the only thing I could find was this one discussion group on a, a, a website called Christian Way, which I think has been mentioned a few times in, in our group where I think it's, I'm not sure what denomination, it might just be non-denominational, just sort of like a Christian website that happened to have this discussion area. And one of the topics was, you know, ex-Christian scientists. And I'm sure I found it in some search. And I have to say, I got a lot of comfort there. It was the one place where I could tell my story, especially because at the time I, my whole family pretty much <laughs> shut me out. So that yeah. was the one place where I could start telling these childhood stories and, and get actual sympathy, you know, and get people actually saying, wow, that yeah. sucks. I'm sorry that happened and to you. <laughs> the validation. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, like, that's the thing, like, like Christian science is systematic invalidation. Your feelings are wrong. What you're seeing isn't real. And um, being able to get the validation from people who understand, because it being kind of a boutique religion, <laughs> there's not even a lot of people that know about it. Yeah. And, you know, then there's like even fewer people that, that have left it. You know, I mean, I don't even, until I am having like a serious conversation with somebody, if I mentioned that I was raised without medical care, I just say it was a faith healing cult because um, Christian science, the church has worked very hard to, you know, suppress <laughs> discussion about it being a being a cult, um, which the lady does protest too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, so you know, people will say like, "Oh, but I know someone that's a Christian scientist, and they're fine, and you're crazy, and you know." So just being so then it's like more invalidation, you know? Yeah. So yeah, just being able to get the validation from people who get it is so helpful. Um, I mean, between the support group and mental health care, like, that's, that's the way to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if you're yeah, a good therapist who gets it, very important. Yeah. And also, yeah. yeah, my, so I found Christian Way and my sister and I also, like you did, we turned to books. Yeah, there were yeah. several books that were very, very helpful. And, and one of them was God is not great. <laughs> I have that one. I think I've read it, but I don't remember. I don't remember like the central arguments. Um, yeah. I don't really, but, yeah, there's been 20 years, but it was that. And obviously the actual Christian science books, you know, father, mother, God, and God's perfect, God's perfect child, child, which were just, just blew, <laughs> just blew oh, everything out of the water, you know? I know. Yeah. I read father, mother, God, which was a recommendation from the group and it was just like oh so many strong feelings like yeah. it's just a really tumultuous period there yeah yeah that was yeah. the the early 2000s for many reasons um but this being the main the main one was were brutal for me when i was around 30 and i was really wrestling with the fact that this whole thing for me was just done and I had yeah. to let it go. And I just, I had to find some other thing and I didn't know what that was going to be. And I always had this feeling, and this was something I haven't brought up yet, is growing up in Christian science, I felt like having a spiritual life was really important. Like having this part of your life that involved, you know, whether it was study or going to church or prayer or, you know, like you go, you have your work life or your school life, but you also have like this spiritual time or this spiritual life where you focus on spiritual things and that this mm -hmm. was an important part of having like a full, well-rounded life. 
And one of the things that got me out of that was in the 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 documentary Relig Religulous. Uh, you know, Bill Maher goes around interviewing people who believe in things. And he asked the question, why is faith good? Why is faith good? And that was the first time anyone had ever said anything like that, that I heard. And it, I was like, yeah, why do we need this? Like, what is it actually, I mean, other than being like relaxing, I guess, or peaceful or what, why has having this part of your life, why does, why is it important and why is it good? And why do I think I need this? And that was really when I started to realize, like, you know, I can live my whole life without ever reading the Bible again, without ever reading science and health again, without ever praying or going to church, and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So do I need this stuff? Like, what is it actually doing for me? Why yeah, I, I mean, on to that. I've, I've, so like I said, you know, I didn't immediately, I, I still, I still kind of hesitate to call myself an atheist. Because I don't know, like, I still like to listen to the Interfaith Voices podcast. I mean, there there is a good side of human nature that we're kind of, like, trying to find, you know what I mean? But, like, I mean, I definitely agree with Sam Harris in his book, The End of Faith, that all the resources that we spend on religion, you know, the time, the money, we could be spending those, like, actually improving society, like, actually ending poverty and hunger, you know, yeah. and like like we could be doing something else with those resources um but like like i said like the logic i that's like the only reason i didn't go absolutely fucking crazy um is because is that that's my grounding logic is my grounding yeah. you know i mean because i i lose touch i lose touch of reality still sometimes where you know i'm i'm just uh, getting lost in this other perspective and then like you know ab absurdities atrocities right christian science makes you believe in absurdities and then you commit atrocities you know like people dying a horrible unnecessary death while feeling awful about it you know instead of instead of in reduced um suffering with the care and love and support of their family and community so, I mean, I really feel like getting away, yeah, I, I need I need logic. I need that grounding to bring me back, you know, just because that that was taken from me at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, like I I was never I was never great at math, but I appreciated as a kid how solid it was. So I was also not always well, even, even majoring in it I wasn't great at math <laughs> D for degree <laughs> um but no I was actually uh failing math in seventh grade and my mom got me a tutor and uh then I, I went from like failing to passing and then um and then when I got to college they were like you know you're a woman and you're good at math you should go into engineering and I'm like okay and then I failed out of that <laughs> and then I went into math um which was also very hard I mean like so I I would not um you don't have to be great at math <laughs> that's what I'm saying even to be you know a mathematician I guess um I don't that's not what I do for a living but but I I needed I needed that grounding like 
yeah, it always works. You know, there are no contradictions. You just have to go through the facts and be honest. You know, whenever there's an appearance of a contradiction, you just kind of dig into it and it's like, oh, that's because they're saying this, but they don't mean that. You know, what they really mean is whatever, you know, okay, it all makes sense now. So I just, I just fall back on that all, all the time. That's what keeps me sane. Yeah. It's a good combat to magical thinking, which is what Christian science is all about. You know, unfortunately my mother, you know, she had gone through her various groups, even after Christian science, she kind of got into some other kind of kooky things and, um, and, but they all had one thing in common, which was magical thinking. <laughs> yeah. Know. I mean, I mean, because I hate, I hate, um, uh... I, I, when I was studying math and people, you know, I'd come home and people would be like, oh, you're in college, where are you studying math? And like, oh, I hate math. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, on behalf of math, like I, I'm, I, I apologize, right? Like, and maybe you just needed a tutor, you know I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, people feel like, feel like they don't have access to that logic, right? Because they had this bad, this bad experience with math early on and got told that they weren't good at it or whatever. Um, especially and, girls yeah oh for sure um and so like that that magical thinking is that is that feeling of control it's something you can control you yeah. know believing believing that you can actually control the world or at least you control your experience in the world you know it just it just doesn't it just doesn't add up and I mean like I I don't you know I'm not I'm not a math evangelist or anything like you know, I, I am actually a math evangelist. I do give talks at schools, but I'm not like a take away your magical thinking evangelist because I mean, there are people who are in very tough situations that it provides a lot of comfort for. Oh yeah. And you know, most of the time it's harmless. Yes. I mean, when people don't get cancer treatment because of it, you know, like, yeah, I live in LA, so I'm surrounded by magical thinkers. <laughs> Like I, I'm gonna guess pretty much everyone I know, even the most logical of people, have some kind of woo-woo things in their lives, and they give them comfort and make them happy. So I'm not gonna sit here and argue with them, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, no, you and have I mean, to think like, like me because I've got it all figured out. Like I don't know what the fuck yeah. I'm doing either. Like, and do it's what not works like for I'm... you if it's not keeping, like you said, if it's not keeping you from getting actual cancer treatment yeah. or something. Yeah. Just go for it. Makes you happy. Go yeah. for it. And like, I'm not, you know, Spock or anything. I mean, like I have very strong emotions and I will have to like ask myself, like, why am I having this strong reaction? You know, like it could be a situation at work or in dealing with someone, you know, just doing the business of living or a doctor or whatever. And, and I will, you know, and, and sometimes I'll be like, you know what? Um, I haven't gotten a tattoo in three years because my artist was a dick to my friend and I just don't want to go back to him. And that's fine. And that was a feeling, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like suppressing feelings. It's just understanding, like, that's why I don't want to, I, that's why I, I don't want to go back to him because he was a jerk, you know, to someone I care about. So, you know, just as like one example, like, I mean, our feelings are really important and, it's really important to think about them and not just be totally blindly driven by them. You know, I mean, because yeah. the world is really out, you know, to take advantage of them, you know, marketing and, and stuff, you know, I mean, salespeople, like 
they're preying on your emotions. So yeah, they're preying on your your anxiety, your your fears. Yeah, your uncertainty, your insecurity. I mean, and in fact, actually, this is something interesting I read um, about the history of tobacco, and uh, it said that marketing doesn't have to know everything about the product it just has to know about the customer <laughs> yep and tap and into all like, those fears ah. yep it's so true yeah. isn't it yeah like oh i want to look glamorous and and just and they they made they used to make health claims you know big tobacco you know back back in the day i mean and just reading about the the denialist i mean it's just the same playbook right you know science deniers and stuff um when it when it became apparent that you know smoking caused lung cancer among other things um it's just really important logic is just really important to me because anybody can say anything yeah and they are seeking to profit um most of the time financially but but sometimes also just you know narcissistically (laughs) you know um I just yeah it's just really important to actually examine your beliefs ask you ask yourself if they are serving you if they're doing you good are they doing someone else more good than Mm -hmm. they're doing you and what are the motivations of those people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I saw this meme recently that cracked me up and it was so accurate it said that the United States is really just three corporations in a trench coat (laughs) which three corporations (laughs) and and it's like it just it it makes the point of just be aware of everything it's like you're constantly being hustled and just you are you are constantly (laughs) being hustled everyone wants something yeah and hopefully you've had some good experiences with caregivers or mentors or whatever of people who really didn't you know, materially need a benefit from their relationship with you. Hopefully also a romantic partner, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because we are, we are constantly being hustled. That's, that's, that's very true. <laughs> I agree with that. So at this point, how, how are your relationships with the Christian scientists in your life? So um, nobody in my family that I'm close to is a is is like a hardcore Christian scientist. I don't really know the status of my parents because it's not it's a boundary. We don't talk about it. I learned what boundaries are and how to enforce them. Um was that a boundary set by you or by them? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. You were just like I'm not my, t- discussing this anymore. Yeah, and I mean you know, it's like I said, I said it one time and then every other time it comes up, I just have to be a big girl and not engage, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and say, I'm just not going to talk about it with you. You know, um, it didn't take very long, honestly, to their credit to kind of establish that. But, um, but uh, there are some other like more distant members of my family that I think are in it. Um, and I'm just not that close to them. Um, friends. Um, I guess I don't really have any friends that are in it. I do have someone that I recently got back in touch with, um, that is 
still a Christian scientist and, you know, I don't know, you know, I guess I think about it, like, what if she sees this video, you know, that <laughs> we will probably not, you know, I, I mean, I can't, I can't be anyone other than who I am, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, so, um, it's not really been a big thing with relationships. Um, but in terms of like my relationships with people, partner, friends or whatever, um, I mean, I, I'm a huge perfectionist and that's been something I've really had to deal with because people aren't perfect, you know, and um, I'm not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't born perfect. Like, we thought we were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my bones, my bones were, I, I have a degenerative, you know, condition because my bones were not born perfect. Right. Like, you know, or, you know, they didn't develop perfectly or whatever. Um, so like, that's been a big thing to deal with. Um, just eat friendships, romantic relationship, like being a perfectionist, expecting perfection, punishing lack of perfection. Like, it's just not good. It's not, yeah. It doesn't work. I don't recommend it. Zero, yeah. zero stars. We can, be, we can be very intense people. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, there are some people that I don't, I don't think anything I've said will surprise them because like I said, I can't be anyone other than who I am. And, you know, um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But it, it hasn't been a huge problem me leaving Christian science for relationships yeah that's good so is there anything you wanted to bring up at this point anything we didn't discuss i mean i think we we hit we hit everything covered all the points we hit everything that most of the major i mean i mean i could go on for like 10 hours right like you know with my therapist but um <laughs> but those are the main those are the main points um i'm really glad you're doing this i really hope that it helps people um, it's always cathartic, you know, to yeah. get my experience validated, mm -hmm. you know, by you. So I appreciate you doing it and um, hope that it uh, helps anybody looking for such resources. Yeah, I, I love that you you listed so many books and things. I think that'll be really helpful. And I'll, if I can ever get my act together to do show notes, <laughs> I'll try to do that and put some links for people that might want to revisit some of these uh, resources that you mentioned. So let me ask you the the two final questions. Uh, do you consider Christian science a cult? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone's going to say no. <laughs> well, thing, but... I mean, they say, they say no. I mean, like I said, the lady does protest too much, but I mean, I mean, it's, it, there there are like objective definitions i didn't like review any of them to prepare for this but information asymmetry you know turn off the tv at commercials you know don't don't go to a psychologist you know i mean like i mean anytime anytime someone bans a book i'm like guess what i'm gonna read next you know yeah. i mean i mean just the hiding you know the the truth is not afraid of being questioned but a lie is yeah and look at the atrocious atrocities that occur from belief in this system. I mean, it, it's a, it's a cult. Yeah. You know, that's my thought. Yeah. Do you, in your opinion, do you think uh, Mary Baker Eddy was a shyster or a true believer? Yeah. I've had some trouble with this one because we were just raised to like deify her so much. Right. Um, 
but I mean, just based on just based on the biographies that I've read, the unauthorized, you know, ones, I think that she I think that she was a shyster. I think that um, so this is an interesting point. Uh, looking at the formation of other cults, you know, their founders didn't have an impressive resume of accomplishments, you know, like, like this was the one thing. And this is the case with like some really extreme TV personalities too, which are also cults um, or media personalities. Like, like they're, they, they have nothing else to fall back on. So they double down. And actually there was a really interesting um, interview on Interfaith Voices with a pastor that lost his faith and said like, I have no other career options, you know? So, um, so there's that. Um, but also just like a lot of the anecdotes of the way that she treated people. Um, she took morphine, you know, she didn't sell that as I'm, I'm also human. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the, just the, 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 hi the hiding, the dishonesty, the rebranding, you know, the, the plagiarism. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm reading this, I'm reading this history of new thought and, it's like the rest of the world completely knows that she plagiarized Quimby. But again, the lady does protest too much. You know, the church has all these defenses of why, of how, you know, she didn't or whatever. Um, so yeah, I would, I would characterize her as a shyster, but it, it like hurts a little bit to say that because of the programming, Yeah, you know, yeah. but also if you, if you are founding a system like, um, like the, the the Quakers is a, a pretty benign religion, you know, and and they don't they don't they don't have multi million dollar you know properties and you know famous architects and stuff that I'm aware of, but I don't know who founded the Quakers because <laughs> that you you know what I mean. But but we know who founded Christian Science. Yeah, it was all about her. You know what I mean. So like that also kind of tells me that intentions weren't good i mean i mean the level of control she had and she didn't fix things to work after she died yeah she you know, never named a successor which she never named a successor these people typically were, do yeah they they don't yeah allow for anyone it, else to take control even when they're dead yeah yeah because it was all about her yeah so yeah i i do i do think she's a shyster but it's still like hard to say it's, it's difficult to say um i'm what i mean is like it's personally difficult not that the concept is difficult yeah no i mean that's one of the reasons i wanted to ask this question is because i know that people have more information than i do because i haven't read the biographies um and it's hard for me to come to terms with that you know i, I want to yeah. think that she truly had this incredible healing experience and like later on it went bad but at the beginning at least and now I've talked it was to her one it was that... it was the one thing you know it was it was her big chance you know yeah um to to get out of poverty and misery that was that life especially for a woman at that time like yeah yeah the more the more answers I get to this question the more I I come around to realize that yeah it was all it was all I know we would shit. like to believe that it was all <laughs> For something at least that she believed in it but it's like there's just like no upside at all to any of it yeah you know <laughs> yeah 
All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. It's been too long. <laughs> we'll have to meet up at another women's march someday. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we won't need to, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's been a real pleasure talking to Julie and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks for listening to Leaving Christian Science. Disclaimer, I'm not an expert, I'm not a historian, I'm not a therapist, I'm just an ordinary, imperfect human who had the misfortune of being born into Christian science. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the host. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional, medical, legal, or psychiatric advice.